gifts and so. <laughs> Dude, we're we're live. <laughs> oh, live again! I feel like we were. How you been, dude? You know, it's the holidays. It's been good. You know, it's it's a different season for me because I'm not officiating a lot of weddings right now. So I'm working more in the my retail, my, my daily job, uh, where I work part time. So during the holidays, man, I put it in. You know, I've worked like forty hours, pretty close to forty hours the week of Christmas and uh, yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, it's, I'm like, man, people do this. Like, this is how people, <laughs> who's your best clientele? Who, who were the best customers in uh, uh did you even tell what your job was? Cause I know what it is, but maybe you don't want to tell people. Yeah. I won't tell them exactly the store name, but it's, <laughs> okay. a, it's a jewelry, it's a retail jewelry okay, store. Cool. Yeah. Who are your best customers? That's all I want to know. Who do, who do you sell to? easiest who, who is just drawn to timmy gibson people that are similar to me like young people that come in they've got tattoos or whatever and it's what's funny dude it's funny you even bring this up we've never <laughs> talked about this but they'll come in the door and everybody else is is, is you know not and i'm i'm 54 so i'm older but everybody there is kind of older the people that work there and i'll see a guy come in he's all tatted and all that as soon as he sees me <clears throat> mm -hmm. He's like that dude I can connect with. You get, yeah, you get that heavy metal head nod. Yep. All right. <laughs> there's yeah. my people. There's kind of like people. when you're on a motorcycle, yeah. all motorcycle people wave at other motorcycle people. It's the same thing with tattoos. Like anytime someone has tattoos, there's like you, a brotherhood. You wave at somebody else with a tattoo. Well, Shut no, you don't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's like this instant connection. Like, oh, you're, you're obviously into tattoos. So am I. There's an instant. Yeah. And you mean like, you know, uh, a grotesque, sinful, ungodly amount of tattoos. Like that's you. right. <laughs> Not like the one tattoo that I have that's, that's pretty much hidden. And then I just never spent money on it. Dude, I would be big into tattoos if yeah. I had the wherewithal to like continue that process. Yeah. I think it's fun to typically any room that I'm in, I'm the most heavily tattooed. Visually. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Because my hands and fingers and everything are done. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My face isn't done yet. Well, I'm glad that the holiday season went. Don't fucking tattoo your face. I swear to God, dude. I was wondering if no. you were going to pick that up. Maybe not at 54, <laughs> but once I turn 55, it's on. Like I'm getting crosses underneath my eyeball. <laughs> you can put MS 13 on there. Man, yeah. You're a bad motherfucker. <laughs> how about you, man? How, how, how's everything going? Going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's not let's not drag let's this. Not shit. Go <laughs> <laughs> I've let's been, keep look, this show on the up. You know how how about this? I it comes in waves and yeah. it goes in waves. And uh, this week has been pretty fucking rough, and yeah. that's okay, man. I'm yep. reflecting on my year, um. So you know, there's a lot of ups and downs with that, and a lot of uncertainty for the year ahead. Yeah. But I will tell you this: I'm not going to get any fucking face tattoos, so I think I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I love it. Well, today we're going to continue our little tradition um, with talking about a lot of other things, but talking about <laughs> movies and the, the way they've impacted us or just thought provoking movies. Uh, and we picked another one of our favorites that most people have watched. If you haven't spoiler alert, um, Shawshank Redemption. Never watched it. <laughs> 
Were we supposed to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Surely you had watched it already multiple times before. Yes, I've I've watched Andy Dufresne. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Such a good movie. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Um, Yeah. So I guess let's give a synopsis. Do you want to do it? Oh, shit. Okay, let's make Just this like a, quick. Just like a 10,000-foot overview. What's the movie about? Well, uh, okay. Andy Dufresne is a banker, a uh, very prominent banker in uh, Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. I, will. I don't know how the hell he ended know. up in Portlander. Yeah. Never mind. I'm already getting off track here. Anyways, uh, mm, marriage is rocky, what have you. Uh, he's dedicated to his job. She ends up having an affair, uh, and then she and her lover are killed. Supposedly by, brutally. by Andy, br- yeah, brutally, yeah. brutally murdered. Uh, Andy is convicted, tried and convicted, and sent to Shawshank Prison. Yep. Uh, basically, from for there, life, though, yeah, two life sentences, one oh, for each of them, I, right? Oh wow, to, to be served concurrently. Uh, you know, from there, it's just a movie about trying to adjust and accomplish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like. This, this is going to be our, yes. our overarching theme here is what is it? It's adjusting to a situation you have absolutely no previous insight into that is hostile. Yeah. That is really dark and out of your norm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know what, dude? That's why I love doing these things with you because you always bring up things that I hadn't really considered. Mm-hmm. How much, How much different that environment was from his environment as a banker, as a highfalutin banker, you know? Yeah. Like he had probably never been in trouble with the law. He was a straight shooter, um, banker guy. I mean, I'm sure he was, you know, whatever he had his shenanigans like everybody did, but a stupid, somewhat the movie starts out with him drunk in the driveway with a gun and oh, he did he it. He was going to scare he, them. Yeah, he fucking right? did it. Right. I didn't watch it, but he did yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> uh, just a, yeah. And then throughout the movie, you know, he maintains his innocence, which then he meets the buddy, his buddy, Morgan Freeman. What's his name in the movie? Red. 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 Yeah. And they even ask, why, why are you called Red? I guess because I'm Irish, <laughs> which the man didn't sound Irish too. Right. He's got yeah. freckles. <laughs> I get the freckles part. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot to unpack in this movie. I don't even know if we did the 10,000. Has anybody not watched this? I can't no. imagine. Okay. Everybody look, knows he, he didn't fucking do it. Okay. Right. With some other dude, but he's sentenced the, to two life sentences mm-hmm. in prison in oh, Shawshank. Yeah. And he's treated very poorly. He is, but he makes the best of it. Yes, he does. And I think this is, this, this is, is my favorite part of this movie is that going back. And again, if you haven't done this yet, take a notebook and watch a movie and take notes on it. You'll piss yourself off because you just want to, like me, be entertained, yeah. right? I had to stop it because I was like, I don't want to take fucking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I had kind of a crappy day yesterday, so like by the end of it, I was like, nah. Nah, I'm not even watching this movie. <laughs> Timmy can talk most of the time. I don't even want to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not looking forward to this. Like, this isn't the highlight of my week because yeah. it is. Okay, uh, he didn't do it. And the whole story revolves around really just the elegant way that people interact with each other within yeah. prison. This deep sorrow, the anger, the hatred, the violence, as well as the joy, the little profound moments of 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 peace, yeah, of real relevance and relation with God or yeah. a higher power. And the relationships that he yeah. 
created and yeah and how they were so meaningful and deep and impactful in a place where it seems that time stood still yeah there it is with time again too well get in the yeah middle, but, and the whole fact that i think what was infuriating honestly about the movie was ed dufrain was andy. innocent number his, one his name's andy. andy did you watch it I did. did sorry, you? it's Andy. Sorry, I'm messing with well, you. Well, who's Ed Dufresne? Why am I thinking? That? I don't know. Anyway, Andy Dufresne, <laughs> Mister Andy Dufresne. All that, uh, all that tattooing, fucking rotting your brain out, brain man. But he, it was like he couldn't win for losing. I think the part that got me is that he was such a good guy, upstanding, trying to do the right thing, and evil and corruption seemingly won the day. Mm obviously there's redemption mm -hmm. uh, at the end to where it's like tr and it, truth always wins out but then i'm like yeah but does it you know that that's what was unfortunate about the the movie is that here's this innocent guy thrown into an environment that like you said it's just he's innocent he shouldn't even be there and he said that one time and when he was screaming it's like i'm i'm not even supposed to be here but yet he was, and then he starts making the best of it. And it's like, well, this is what it is. You know, I'm going to make the best of it. And it was like, just as he was really trying to do the right thing, he'd get pushed down. That part was frustrating. Like he'd take two steps forward and get kicked five steps back. And it just, it was infuriating for me to watch it going, God bless America. He's in, he's innocent, you know, like hear him out. What if he wasn't innocent? Would you look down differently? Would you have oh, felt absolutely. that? Would you have felt that the suffering that incurred after the fact of him committing this crime yeah. was worthy of him incurring, and therefore you wouldn't root for him to actually improve as a person? I true. I, see, like, I, think, I mean, I think he was guilty. If he was guilty, it would have been you know. I think what you're feeling is he's innocent. Yeah, and so you're you're feeling like, wow, this is so unjust. Okay, now red, he was guilty. Yeah, and you he love him too, though. He, so. I mean, where does your judgment start? But he's start paid his time. Stuff? You know, you're like, okay, he's done his time. This is relevant. He's this changed is deep, his heart. This is deeply yeah. relevant to who we find compassion for in the world and who we choose not to and what the parameters are of choosing that compassion. And yeah. are they legitimate? Yeah. Is it a le legitimate thing to, to feel that? I was not frustrated with that at all, actually, with his getting knocked down and, and, and getting back up early in the movie. Um, hmm. My first thing I wrote after the title is Andy is honest. It's the truth. Sometimes the truth leads us to chains. Interesting. Wow. That's true and good. I mean, you could debate it because, you know, they didn't believe that he was innocent. Right. Nonetheless, he stood up for what he believed. He was a good man. And yet, nonetheless, he was taken to chains. Yeah. And so then within that place, the whole movie, I'm, Ah, what am I trying to say here? What gets to the heart of the matter? Um, I'll put it to you like this. We don't grow uh, in understanding and love unless we suffer. Yeah. yeah. That, that's that's where I'm at with it. I mean, that's what I've seen in my own life. Yeah, It's taken me you know, 40, 41 years to look at it and be like, in the moments where I suffered the most, that I hated the most, and I was like, this is, bleh. why can't things be perfect? Why can't they be right? Why can't they be what I want them to be instead of what is yeah. and fight against that? But in those dark moments is when I learn really profound lessons of grace and compassion towards yeah. myself, towards other people. It changed me. Yeah. And I wouldn't notice it until like four or five, six months later. 
but I was a different person. I was more mature. I didn't fall into those same traps, you know? Yeah. But didn't become angry as easily. All these things. And I'm sure I'll look back five years from now and go, well, this journey right here also taught me this. Yeah. It's through suffering. Right. That's why I never understood people yeah. who, who who criticize God. Can I go God for oh, a second yeah, here? Okay. I, I don't I don't understand this argument because I don't see it that way, I guess. And so I'm just as one sided as somebody who hears it from the other side. But the argument is um, if God was loving, then he wouldn't have people suffer. He would not, uh, he would intervene. He would do something to stop the suffering, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Why, why are these awful, atrocious things happening in the world? It's the only way that we learn how to adapt as people is through that, through the languishing and through the sorrow. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Yeah. It says nothing about you flying in the, in the sky from one mountain to another and not suffering in the valley of the shadow of death. Like that's literally life. Right. It has to be that way. And yeah. Andy, Andy reminds me of like a, a, a caricature of Jesus. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Why Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking a lot about this. In the darkest moments, he finds uh, profound joy in helping his fellow man yeah. and asking for nothing in return. You see it first up on the rooftop with the beer. Yes. And he finds a way to devise a plan that, that is beneficial for everyone. And all he wants in return is, is the a joy of seeing yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. Give my boy some beers. So they can, you know, yeah. like nothing makes a man feel like a man more than a hard day's work and, and drink some suds, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Something real simple. And then he just sat there with this, this imperceivable Mona Lisa smile on his yeah. face while he watched other people. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't like for pride or. Well, that in the library that he had built. All these things. Yeah. These little moments of in the most sorrowful, awful place, there is this. Yeah. compassion and joy and it's always inclusive it's always collaborative it's always uh about building community yeah i don't know i thought you know what's the, my favorite part of the movie well clearly you know at the very very end when he escapes and everything is exposed with the corrupt mm -hmm. uh prison person uh what is he called the warden the warden the warden's exposed for all his shenanigans and it's like justice is served and and andy is freed you know uh or escapes escapes the prison for which he was falsely imprisoned that's for mm -hmm. me my favorite part of it it's like redemption shawshank redemption it's like the redemption that you just were hoping for and longing for throughout the whole movie even though i just the movie was just enthralling the whole thing, the whole way through. But like you said, it was definitely for me, it was frustrating, but that was, it was sad too. Um, the, all, you know, when the guy that, that one kid that looked kind of like Elvis had actually heard was what his cellmate, former cellmate confessed to the murders. So that would have proved Andy Dufresne actually innocent, you know, and the warden had him shot. And the warden had him killed. You yeah. got to see the real evil of the warden right there. Yeah. And as we were talking about briefly before, he's my favorite character. Yeah. I imagine other people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's not because he's evil. Like, that's not why. It's he's a his complexity is yeah. in it's engaging to me. It's enthralling. Yeah. I find uh, some of the lines that he uses in the movie to be very profound. Yeah. Um, 
the scene with the obtuse. Yeah. yeah I can, obtuse. I, I love that me? word. That was yeah. like the first time I ever heard it and then started using it. <laughs> I since. started using it too. <laughs> I'm so vain. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Obtuse. And I looked it up in the dictionary. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. yeah. No, it's cool. It was cool yeah. shit. <laughs> Cause I used it. Yeah. I still do. If I watch that movie, I, I like, I like when the warden hands back Andy Dufresne's Bible. Cause when they do the uh, room search, you know, they turn over his room to make sure everything's mm -hmm. in order. And he gives him back his, his Bible and he says, salvation lies within. And it's the claw hammer. And it's the claw yeah. hammer. And they're the, the, the warden clearly doesn't know that. Um, but how brilliant, how uh, I, when the first time I ever saw the movie, I remember that feeling of what that motherfucker was digging a hole this whole fucking time. Like there was this, just, just this excitement of you sly motherfucker you were digging a hole the whole time and that poster wasn't so you could gawk at some pretty woman it was to be digging a hole and covering it up with the poster slowly and surely right methodical 19 yeah. years of digging talk about <clears throat> the persistence and patience everything about the, the yes everything about the protagonist here andy dufresne is methodical and well-timed and patient yeah all with an ease of mind and an understanding that with enough time and pressure yeah and see morgan freeman's character even spots that at the end he says it given enough time and pressure i don't know how this is going to turn out how my morgan freeman is it sounds but, good uh, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way like i don't know if it's another mandela effect but i swear when i watched that movie before it was I met Andy Dufresne in the summer of 1947. Those lines never happened. I don't, I didn't hear that. I watched the whole movie. I didn't hear it. And I'm like, did, <laughs> where did, did I get that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay though, man. No, it's, it's, it's a very, very good movie. Anyways, I do like the warden yeah. Um, for he's irredeemable. Yeah. And yet, I mean, like he takes himself out. Yeah. Really? He goes, ah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, blo he blows his own brains out. He does. He? Yeah. He does. Lo loads the gun fully, though, to give us the idea that he's going to shoot his way out of there. Yeah. Right. But he really didn't have the wherewithal to continue to fight. Right. All he did was use people yeah. for purpose and power that obviously was malignant yeah. in nature. It was, he, he was a cancer. Yeah. Um, and so that tends to not have the methodical, patient approach of, consistency over time another reason i'm telling you it's kind yeah. of it's like a it's a it's an elevated character yeah yeah man. i think like when i think of a what's some life lessons the one that stands out for me the most with this movie of a life lesson is you can't always control the environment that you're put into you know like say you're at a job and it and, and it's you got a terrible boss and you've got you know whatever all you can do is live right by yourself and do right. You can't control what other people do. You know, what's that, that quote, the famous quote, it's not so much about what happens to you. It's what your response to what happens to you. You know, it's like you, you can't, it's like, it is what it is. For example, like when my, I flew one way down to Fort Myers, Florida to pick up my son he was going to drive his car back and I was going to drive the moving van back. Right. Well, we were an hour out of town and he about lost, lost a fucking corn, had a coronary cause he realized 
he'd left all his clothes in his apartment closet. Oh, shit. And we're an hour out of town. <laughs> Damn, and, man. And literally, he was he was fit to be tied. I mean, he was, he was, and, and, and on one hand, I, I got it, but then I told him, I said, Vannon, I said, honey, I said, we go back. Like there's really there's no other options. Like I said, at least look you're at only it this an way. hour out. That's Shit, what man. I said. I like, said, dude, we're an hour all. out of an eighteen hour, really a nineteen hour drive. I said, buddy, and I mean he was he was furious, like furious. And I said, Bannon, calm down, man. I said, listen. I said, I understand you're upset. I get it. I'd be a little upset too. I said, but think of it this way: a, we're not halfway home. You know, thank God we're not like. Or the, all the way home. Like then it's like, well, we're not driving back at this point. And in fact, we wouldn't have driven back had it been if we were five hours away. Like I'm not fucking driving back at this point. No, but I feel like you would get resourceful and probably even call somebody. Like exactly, find, find you'd have to have someone that, to mail it and yeah, do all that. But you would pay for it, and it would be but he had no clothes. Yeah, I mean, you know, so like literally, it was all the clothes in the closet. So anyway, the moral of the story is, I told him, I said, "Hey, Vannon, it is what it is." We're just an hour out. We're, we're talking about a 19 hour drive. We're adding an extra hour. So we'll cut some corners here and there. We'll make that time up. We're not that far away that we can't make up that time in, in a stretch of 20 hours. We can, you know, we yeah. can make this up in some way or just whatever. We're only losing an hour. So it was going to be 19 hours. Now it's 20 hours, whatever. Anyway. So he finally you know, he finally calmed down. And once we got back there and loaded it all up, I was like, see, I said, we got your clothes and now we're going to hit the road. And I looked at the clock. I said, and we're just a couple hours behind where we initially wanted. So what? It's all good. We're together. We're hanging out. It's fun. Let's make, let's make the best of this. Like I said, he finally calmed down. And I told him, I said, buddy, I'm the one that flew down here. And to, uh, you know, if anybody's going to be upset, I could, it'd be me, <laughs> you know, yeah, but I said, but it's okay, man. I'm not upset. And I think about when I think about the movie, I think about Andy could have just pissed and moaned and, you know, and just been a fucking bitter, innocently imprisoned, whatever. And, but he finally, he just accepted it and started digging. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there's lots of little golden nuggets in this movie. And as you say that, um, he could have bitched and moaned and all that stuff. Do you remember the first night they were there and they were taking bets? on who was going to start crying yeah. and squealing. And, and Red Giving took a bet. Just a little yeah, glimmer Red of took a bet on Andy Dufresne. And then he said, Andy never made a peep. Yep. Not one peep, not one I sound. He just assessed the situation and sat quietly within his emotions until he could regulate them and, and control it. Yep. I say that knowing that I do not have very good access to that life skill all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes yourself aware. Fucking A. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's a start. Yeah. That's a start. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because one, wouldn't it the guy, I thought this was interesting Had had that been, I always wonder about movies. Are they putting things in there? Are they as profoundly put in there as we're profoundly receiving it? Because now you look back at that situation and the guy that did, you know, make a peep ended up being beat to death. Yeah. So like he didn't survive because he didn't accept his punishment. Oh shit. Yeah. But that was Andy spicy. accepted it. That was a fucking spicy. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 
kick me right in the junk on that one. Because you know, it's like it's like when people bitch and moan about the rain. It's like, listen, motherfucker, you can't control the rain. <laughs> it's like like well, you can't control the rain. Like you might as well stop pissing and moan about it and just get a fucking umbrella. Like it, it just <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> Can I tell you something? That should be on a fucking shirt somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't control the rain, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it is a, that's the life lesson it's, I received. No, that was hilarious and very insightful. Yeah. It's truth, man. It's truth. And I don't know if you were always like that, you know, but the, I mean, you gain no, it. You gain right. it. The older you get to, like, the more... Well, relational experience you have to a situation, the more you understand no matter what you do, it's going to be um, elements out of, your, out of your control and elements that are in your control and yeah. the elements that are in your control are your reactions yeah. to what is out of control outside of you, right? Think about this, brother. How many times have our reactions made things just that much 100%. Worse? That Right? I'm not even going to say 80, 90. <laughs> hey, yes, in every single situation, because you use the word reaction. Yeah. It, it applies uh, the notion that there was no thought process. Because if there was thought process, it wouldn't be a reaction. It would be an action. Right. And so, yeah, 100%, it made shit worse yeah. every single time. Yeah. Because it's never, the, it's never the, the emotion or words or control that would diffuse the situation. Yeah. It is always out of hurt, out of yep. misunderstanding, out of <laughs> rage spites all these little you know yeah uh yeah man i mean it's true of even relationships i'm sure we've all had a, an argument with someone that you responded well you stayed calm you stayed you know fast factual or whatever the and it and it kind of diffused the whole situation it was a great it was a great interaction then there's other times where it was the wrong thing said at the wrong time and it tripped a trigger and you, you got up out of hand and, and it's like, it just made the situation that much messier, that much worse. People were hurt and it just got nasty. Oh yes. And it's never like in a timeline you think that's going to happen. Right. Like you, where you do that reactive sort of process until one day you don't. And then you're like, well, <laughs> I got it now. No. No, like three years from then, you're going to act like a fucking man baby again. And you're going to do the same shit. And you're going to be like, wow, have I even learned anything? Right. Have I fucking grown at all? Or am I just doing the same shit? Remember when I handled that so well? What the fuck's the difference now? Well, yeah. You know, some days you're just not, not prepared. Yeah. Not to be explosive. Yeah. Right. Because uh, that's usually what it is. That short trigger yeah. from, uh, I don't know, all sorts of exterior things like being put in prison. Yeah. Falsely <laughs> accused, you know, things like I, that. Yeah. That's the, that to me was the greatest message of this movie is if anybody had reason to be bitter, upset, fucking everything, all of it, it would have been Andy Dufresne. But yeah, he's like you said, he stayed and it, he, it kicked it off with that first scene that I never thought of until you said that. I mean, I remember that scene, but I didn't think of it as, wow, this is setting the tone of how that motherfucker is going to be to the end of the film. Yeah. So to your point, do filmmakers put all that in? Probably. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to say yes, but does it have the profundity um, that they intended for it? No, yeah. I think it has more. I think they could have no idea what's going to happen in somebody else's life. I think that that's that little bit of magic that life brings that 
lets us know that there's some stuff behind the scenes here that we don't see right yeah, yeah. and like you're like how the fuck did that work out like that yeah how is it that you know what is this 30 years later we're seeing this film yeah and it means that much and you can relate it to your life right now yeah but you know even five minutes ago or five years uh it meant something completely different to somebody else yeah right yeah i think about figuring life out even like us right now in 2023 there's so many things in life i feel like with that i wouldn't change anything you know there's certain things i just wouldn't change and there's other things that I'm I, I'm still trying to figure out, right? Like I would have thought I'd have been a millionaire by now, you know? And the f frustration of that, you know, not being able to retire, it, you know, that to me, and that's, a, that's, there's so many things about life that I haven't figured out. That's just one of them that I have recently been thinking about. As I've gotten older, I've thought, man, to be financially independent, like free, like I never have to work again. And I had, would have invested my life. That's why I'm working so hard with my kids, especially my uh, son. Like, yeah, dude, you're, you're 22. Like you could literally be a millionaire without making kind of any exceptional money, just making decent money. You could be a millionaire by the time you get to my age. If you, you know, spend less than you make, invest and do certain things, you know, most likely, I mean, there's always, you can't control all the variables, but most likely, uh, you know, I don't, and I don't think this is going to solve your life problem, but, uh, here's how I see it. Yeah. You're a teacher. Oh, do you need to, we need to stop that. And yeah, we'll keep it going and start over, not start over totally, but so we started <laughs> over. That was seamless. No one even knows. No, about it. but you said it. The fuck? You said it. We're all good. Look, you're a teacher, man. This bunch, this I, podcast sponsored by Viagra. I don't see anybody teaching who just like, you know, if you wanted or got everything that you wanted, right? Right. All that, all that bullshit, you wouldn't be you. Right, right. And you are a wonderful teacher. And the best way for a teacher to teach is in the trenches where everybody else is. So yeah. maybe your particular life path has led you to this so that you could be a more excellent teacher. Oh, well, you thank are. you. And in doing so, you teach yourself. Yeah. Really. Um, that said, I mean, a million dollars isn't shit anymore. And that's the economy right. 10 is fucking, what you did. <laughs> no, even that's not going to fucking matter. It's all made up money. Nothing's real. Yeah. <laughs> We're living in a matrix, Jimmy. It's a fucking matrix. Do you know, I, I watched a video that it's as likely as it's all real. We talked about this. Oh, that's did so we? Weird. Okay. Because now so it's like the black cat in the Matrix, and it's like repeating this fucking cycle. Where you're like, as much as it's not real, it could be real. This was on our first podcast, <laughs> right. and I could go into this shit. And I'm like, yeah, living right. in a simulation is the video yeah. I watched. Very fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, shit. Ooh. Yeah, the the game it of is money. a prison. Yeah, it's a prison. Yeah. I heard someone say, not to get off track, but no, we're there. You started it. Uh, <laughs> someone said to me, they said, you know. Do you notice squirrels don't pay rent? And I don't know why that was such a profound statement, but I thought to myself, yeah, who, like when we think about ownership, like when you really think about ownership, how can you own? Like somebody at some point just goes, hey, motherfucker, I own this. Like you go back far enough, someone just had to say, I own this. 
And if you want it, you have to buy it from me. How did you like, does that make sense? It like, does. Who it does. owned it in the beginning? You know, then that gets into the God discussion, I would imagine. But it's like, just rewind back cavemen, you know, back Neanderthal days or just running around rawr, 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 killing things. And they just, they would just take a cave and just take the cave. And if they were bigger, badder and stronger, that's how they began. I'm the owner of this cave. You try to take it from me. I'll fucking kill you. And everybody will know that I own this cave. Well, but if you're talking about primal or nomadic, there is no ownership. Right. And so um, I do believe Native Americans or um, American Indians were very yeah. good at this and not having a language that spoke of ownership. But instead, a lot of them were nomadic. And even if they weren't, they lived completely off the land. Right. It's the development of a society that its principal uh, goal is to take, expose, eradicate, um, deep what just oh man what's the word just yeah. basically rape the land okay right, this right, is what yeah. this society does there's no good that comes of it it just fucking rapes the land and then we use paper straws like that's gonna fucking help yeah. it's I, i'm sorry for those well, that use paper straws it, they just taste like shit yeah. to me like i can't I oh can't i hate it. paper straws they're shit i don't know uh sadly they're shit like, <laughs> but i think about like mars sadly. like who owns mars right nobody at this point but if someone lands on mars i guess then they're gonna be the one that can go no. i own this but it doesn't mean anything right that's it's the only reason that ownership means something is under the illusion that time and space and where you're at in it is a truth that's any different from any other space if you fast forward it 100 years that person who owned it would not own it anymore and so who owned it to begin with there is no fucking thing known as ownership it's all just a fucking illusion right i mean i could i had this weird theory because i smoke weed and yeah. get like in my head and sit on the couch and i'm like whoa <laughs> fuck dude so i haven't written this out it's probably gonna sound stupid but i'm just gonna think this is my little venue to do this at right the tower of babel remember the tower yep, of yep, babel yeah like all stories come from somewhere right and yeah. so it was uh a what a dispersion of the language yep in order to confuse the people because they were starting to build a tower, a that, would tower reach to god. that would reach to god so what was the purpose of them stopping to do that like what why did and this is one of the only times the bible uh speaks of god as they by the way, oh, they, yeah. or we, we need to stop this. So they stopped it and they dispersed the language out amongst the land. Right. Yeah. So is it just the language that God dispersed? Or if everybody knew what God was at one time and was all under a unified theory of God and they started building a tower to God and they dispersed the language. I don't think they dispersed the language. I think they also dispersed the knowledge of God itself. Right yeah. into all sorts of different factions oh, of what God is. Okay. Right. Whether whether you worship a, a, a deity of the forest or, right. Right. Um, a large blowing wind is this you know thunder monster right. the moon or god, the sun god. Yeah. Or a giant white man with a fucking beard or yeah. you know all these things just dispersed and we're all think we're talking about different things but we're all talking about the same thing all the time. Yeah. I don't know how this applies to the ownership necessarily, but it seems yeah. like. The more people see things as separate, the more they want to control that separation. And the only way they can do that is by living that out in that I own this, you own that. This is why we are separate. Yeah. Timmy, you have, this is your apartment. It's not my apartment. This is your apartment, right? Yeah. So in some ways you own this space, yeah. space, right? Yeah. And I, and I don't intrude. And then we have separation amongst us. 
It's all yeah. based off of separation. Now, did that sound stupid? No. Uh-uh. No. I'm wondering because in well, my head, I was. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I got more. I need probably need a journal on it. But. Yeah. Well, going back to the the ownership. Yeah, you think about like who owned it before. You keep going back, 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 back. It gets to the point nobody owned it. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. Because nobody's supposed to own You can't own it. Right. You cannot own it. You can't. Yeah. It's all paper trails and yeah. fucking fairy dust. Well, it's like money. Someone said that if everybody that thinks they have money at a bank all came in and said, give me the cash. Did I spit when I was talking? Uh-uh, no, it's my hair. Uh, if everybody at the bank came in and said, give me the, give me my money, cash, give me my cash money. Break the fucking system. Yeah, they can't. It, it's not, they don't have it. They don't have it. It's like you said, it's numbers mm -hmm. on a screen, you know, which it's funny. Sometimes when I really think about it, I'm like, should I pull my money out and put it under my mattress? So, <laughs> but then I'm like, fuck, if someone, <laughs> if someone stole that money and then I'd be up a fucking creek. Winding it back a little bit further. Numbers on a screen. What's the matrix, man? Numbers on, numbers a, on a fucking screen, right? It's you all, know, it's I'll all. tell you, I'll tell you how wild that think about, they've talked about solar flares, like. Yeah. What would be the most dangerous? An asteroid hitting the earth, a solar flare that would literally wipe out our internet for years. Dude, that put us in the dark ages. All of a sudden, I mean, the only way I know how much money's in my bank, numbers on a screen. Yeah. And if the all the if all that went down, how do they have how would they even know what I have in my bank? Does that make sense? Like the only record I have, I know what I have in my bank because I can pull open my app. And I can go to it and I can see it. I'm going to get real serious here and call you Tim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Tim, if, uh, if all of that was knocked out, the least you'd have to worry about is getting your money out of a bank. That's right. That's true. Actually, motherfuckers will lose their minds. Everybody's ready to lose their mind at yeah. any time. Our society is prepped on the edge, prepped to lose our minds and yeah. be, wow. Look at know, that the sun, sun coming just out. coming through. Isn't that beautiful? It could be an asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the sun. It's so, getting brighter and brighter. I mean, fuck. Are we talking about Shawshank Redemption or The Matrix? Or This got a little sidetracked. It did. What is what is this, by the way? That's my goal. That's my goal for next year. How many weddings I want to do. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's I like lot. that. I like the guy. I saw it in the bathroom, yeah. too. Uh-huh. And I was like, this motherfucker's making moves. That's you're right. putting it out. You're manifesting. That's what you're doing. I mean, I'm yeah. reading it every day, thinking about it, which then puts me into action of how I'm going to accomplish it. That's one of the things I learned in my all my goal setting. You know, some people are really against goal setting, whatever. I, I think to me... Everybody at the end of a year, you should reflect on the previous year, reflect like for me, I'll reflect on 2023, what I liked, what I didn't like, how can I improve? What can I improve? Whatever. I think about all that stuff. And then I think, okay, what do I want for 2024? What do I want to see? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to feel at the end of 2024? And mm. so, and then after I kind of get those goals and things in my mind, then I think, okay, for example, let me break this down. Like if I want to read, and I read way more than this, but if I want to read um, 12 books next year, okay, that means I need to read at least one a month, which means I need to read, you know, at least 15 minutes. Break it down. Break yeah. it down to where it's doable because you can look at 12 books and that looks like a lot where I ended up, I don't even know how many books I read this year, maybe 30, 40 books. I was reading almost a book a week for, for a while. Now I'm back to about a book 
every two weeks, three weeks, but yeah, I go through spurts, but I couldn't have accomplished a book reading goal without breaking it down. You know how, right. Breaking it down with a claw hammer, one rock at a time. Absolutely. And then taking it out to the yard methodically, peacefully, without too much emotion involved with it. So you don't act rash and you just handle your business slowly. 19 years of digging. Dude, that's, you know what? I see like, this is how, what helps me with life. When I think of something far away, I think, okay, that's a long ways away. But if I take five steps every day in 19 years, I'll be like, you'll be there. Yeah. I love that. I think it's one of the things I've found so appealing about the movie was that methodical. It's not matter of fact, I'm reading a book right now called the psychology of money. And in there, he tells the story of a guy that's a janitor makes a, 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 a mediocre living. Like he makes a you right. know living, but because he puts a hundred dollars rather than spending it on frivolous things, He takes $100 every month and invests it. And after 40 years or 30 years of doing that, he has $8 million in investments. Yeah. Not this guy isn't, he's not a brain surgeon. He's not an NBA player. He's not, it's like this guy wasn't, he was just an average Joe, but he did something little by little by little methodically. And over time, reaps the benefits. It's the same thing. You think about digging out of prison, like just the thought of it, but a little bit at a time. Yeah, you even got to do everything all at once. No, no, you don't have to dig through the whole wall in one night, but a little bit, little bit, little bit. It's baby steps. Man, that might be the hardest lesson. Maybe just for me. I don't know. It seems like some people have a, a really good grasp on it. You know? Yeah. It's, I, I struggle with that. Yeah. I see big picture. And like you I get want, overwhelmed by that. I want, yeah, I, I want big picture right then. What, what, yeah. what, what I want it. And I don't want to have to wait several years to do it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I started acting More like of a, an instant gratification. Yeah. yeah. It really, it, like, I act like a fucking ape. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you need to lose. I remember I helped a lady lose 100 pounds back when I was in the nutrition world. And it was a lot and it seemed overwhelming and I could see how she'd be so defeated and wouldn't even want to go to the gym. I mean, you yeah. got a hundred pounds to lose that like, wow, that's a lot. But I told her, I said, listen, just a pound a week. I said, in one year you'll lose 52 pounds, but just a pound a week, like a pound a week is easy. You're, you're going to lose more than that most likely, but let's just make it such an easy goal that it's just few minor changes you can do it. And she ended up losing a hundred pounds at the end of that year. She lost two pounds a week and it was just, just walk around the block ah. every day. Just walk around the block. I was going to say meth. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Meth, fentanyl, uh, uh, <laughs> I am not, I'm, I'm not making light of it. It, yeah. it is, it is, is subtle light changes. I'm actually talking about it, but I'm also incorporating it into my brain. Yeah. Just because this week's been a little bit depressive. Sure. And I think that has a lot to do with anxiety and, and mistrust in the future and all that, you know? Yeah. Getting exposed to big picture without starting to break it down and look at it yeah. rationally. So well, especially know. if you're in if you're in a situation ever where and I've been there plenty of times where it, it seems overwhelming. There seems like there's no way out, which there isn't a way out instantly. 
you know, like the hundred pounds thing, dear God, like, like that's going to be a long journey. That's a lot. Like you ain't going to lose that weight quickly. Like it's going to take a long time. No, but if Same you get thing. overwhelmed by it, you're not going to lose any of it. And then you just go, fuck it. I'm not doing it. And then you eat even more. Yep. And like that's the to, mentality that's got to prison, shift. Yeah. Getting to prison the first night and balling your ass off, even though you know you need to, you yeah. know, just kicking and balling and screaming. Yeah. Rather than, you know what? I'm just going to start digging. Folks, take this lesson. If that happens, you get beaten to death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or you beat yourself to death. Yeah. Right. There, there's something about, I, I told my son this the other day, he was heading to Lawrence to have a good time with his friends. Why'd you do quotation marks? Well, <laughs> like know, he's not a, he's having a good time. Yeah, like, he's going to be partying. <laughs> and I just told him, I said, Hey, I said, Hey buddy. I said, always remember this. I said, you know, and I'm all for a good time. I said, I always tell him this all the time. I always go, just do me a favor. Be smart and do good. I go, because if you, if you're smart and you be good, uh, there's nothing to regret, you know, like fine, get drunk, drink. That's fine. But don't fucking drive because then you could get caught being stupid yeah. and then you're in trouble and then you get into a DUI. And then it's like, you're like, you talk about things are rough. Now you're going to make your life rougher by making stupid decisions. You know, and it'll spiral and it's like one bad decisions leads to, well, fuck it. I'm going to make more and more bad decisions. And it just gets to a point where it's a clusterfuck. Yeah. You know, yeah, but to, to the point earlier in the podcast, I mean, this is where we learn our lessons. Yep. I, but I know, I understand but you self, being a good, right. uh, yes, yeah, self-inflicted and self-awareness, but also self-inflicted to me, life brings its own challenges. Yeah. But for me to then. I'm financially struggling, let's say, and then I'm speeding and I'm doing, it's like, <laughs> you're going to get a ticket, which is going to further perpetuate your financial struggles. Cause you're going to get a $300 ticket that had you just gone the speed limit, you wouldn't have got, it's like, it's one thing life to me, it, it's got its challenges. Andy Dufresne's a perfect example, yeah, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter how good you live, how honest you are, all that stuff. Life is still a shit show at times. But we can make it worse by yeah. adding to it. Or you can make it better. Yep. Huh. Yep. Yep. It's all up to you. And by the end of the movie, right, he did make it better. He did. He yeah. really did. Yeah. He did. Man, I like that. I yeah. like that takeaway from this that you don't have to do everything all at once. Nope. But uh, you know, be smart. Do good. Yep breathe motherfucker breathe yep and uh just walk a little bit each day around yeah. the block that's right i feel like Dude, it was a good one it was i think it's a powerful message so if you haven't seen the movie oh fuck you're fucked now <laughs> we Par told you everything paramount. It. it's on paramount if you have that app where'd you find yours i don't, oh, you don't want to say <laughs> it was on paramount Cause I, I look, dude, I don't know what it is about these movies. I looked on Google, fucking Google lies to me, apparently just to me. So it's like <laughs> fucking on HBO max. I don't know if this happened last time and I get on there and it's not on there. And this time instead of looking on other shit, I'm just giving up. And I, I went to Amazon prime video. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I now own Shawshank Redemption though, digitally. Want to come over and watch it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to watch that shit for like five years. But yeah, if you but want it's a to, good one to own. Yeah, take some take some notes. Yeah. Well, brother, <laughs> it's always a joy, man. Thanks for coming on today. I love you, man. Yeah, love All you right. too. Peace out, everybody. Peace.
Oh, there it is. <laughs> <Hopefully everybody. laughs> yeah.